thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today, we're lucky to have not one, but two awesome guests. One is a returning guest whom you may remember from episode number 60, where we talk about making real food simple, fun, sexy, and affordable. He's a passionate real food cook, a former MKR finalist, and an all-round top bloke. He's just brought out a new health program that doesn't just focus on diet and exercise, although they're a big part of it, but he's also given equal weighting to modules on super important topics like mindset, motivation, and psychology. Our other guest is also involved in the program, and she is Scott's mindfulness mentor. Now, I hate to use the word expert or guru, so I thought mentor might be a good fit. Uh, <laughs> she's a passionate yoga teacher meditation instructor and her superpower is taking all this eastern philosophy stuff and making it translatable to corporate clients in big cities in a really non-woo-woo way so also i must say i'm a bit of a fangirl when it comes to this person because i found out that one of her clients was bangara dance theater who i love them mm. so much so that that was like oh my god now i really have to talk <laughs> <laughs> So look, without further ado, since you're both already giggling, I'll bring you the dream team that is Scott Gooding and Jules. Hey. Hey. Hey, yeah, dream team, welcome. Bang Bangara dance troupe, hey? That's oh, that's well, great, Nira. I didn't uh, I didn't know that. You know, I'm just going to destroy this. I'm so sorry, but uh, oh. It was not the dancers, actually, because they had all their own stuff happening already. But right. uh, I was, you know, I was teaching within their complex, but I was working more with the staff. So, Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so it was staff and it was... Um, but that's still one degree of separation, which is better than Jules and I. I so now we exactly. I got to see them. <laughs> <laughs> That's still awesome. All right. Well, how about we go first with you, Nira? Because, uh, you know, ladies first and all that. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into this profession of yours and why you're so passionate about bringing all this stuff to busy, corporate, stressed people? Mm, thank you. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a long story. So I'll try and give you the short version, which was basically, you know, I, I came into this work because, you know, out of my own practice and my own interest in that. So, I mean, I began um, meditation in probably 1991 or two or something like that. Um, and then very seriously in 94. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just very clearly, this is what my life is about. Um, but of course it took years and years and years for that to translate into it being my work. I mean, and it kind of came off the back of teaching yoga for a very long time. Also, you know, um, tracking back into the early nineties, mid nineties, when I did my apprenticeship, um, to become a teacher. And I went to live in India for a year with a, with a teacher there. Um, and that's really where I kind of got that deep dive foundational kind of experience of, wow, okay, this is what, what I, what I really want to do. So it, it still took years to find a way to bring that, um, 
definitely into the corporate space. Um, I think I, I had actually tried to do it quite early on, but I, the times hadn't changed, you know, they're not what they are now, you could say. Uh, so I kicked my business off in 2004, but, um, you know, it was 99% education, you know, and 1% luck maybe. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, really, it really wasn't until, I don't know, two, uh, 2012, 2010, something like that, when it started to get more traction and I was um, – doing a lot of one-on-ones with executives and, and CEOs um, in particular that uh, I just sort of fell into that niche and I found that, uh, okay, this actually makes a lot of sense to these very senior people because they understand uh, discipline for one thing um, and mental discipline for sure is really important. So it, it just seemed like a very natural fit that, that meditation, mindfulness, um, yoga practices, any kind of reflective practice is actually super important and useful for those kinds of people because they're, you know, switched on under a lot of pressure um, but also incredibly present, you know. That's the quality I saw in those people and I thought, okay, this is, you know, I'm really onto something here and it just kind of develops from there, could say. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I guess in order to get to that sort of place in, in a person's career, you have to have focus, you have to have discipline, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, incredible drive and also, you know, the intelligence and, and, and kind of knowing also what your own limitations are and that lends itself really well to a reflective practice. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of mindset in a way. Yeah, awesome. Mm. All right, well, we'll swing over to Scott because... Uh, Look, you're no stranger to this podcast, but just in case someone's been hiding under a rock and they've just put their head up, tell us a quick little, you know, uh, a quick little summary of who you are and how you got to where you are now. No sure. pressure, mate. No uh, yeah, pressure. no pressure. It's always a tricky one. It's always a tricky one to answer because you don't know how far back to go and how deep to go. But yeah, I, I guess I've been in the health and fitness industry for. Uh, I don't know, I can't do the math, but I started in 2005. Um, and for a lot of those years, those early years, I was a PT down in Bondi. Um, and so there was a couple of things at play. So there was my professional life sort of um, developing and evolving. And at the same time, I was going through this personal journey around coping with an injury uh, which was affecting my sort of identity and my, my, my health and my happiness really. And so the two in parallel sort of culminating in a, in a point in my life where I realized that it was actually food, nutrition uh, that, was the, that was the lever to, to, to health, not what I previously thought that it was fitness. So for a lot of years, even before I was a PT, I thought the fitter the, the fitter you are, the harder you trained, is the is the determining factor of how healthy you could be. But it was actually that that led me to being incredibly injured and running my body into the ground. That forced me to rethink that. And so, I guess on my professional career. At that point, I was like, well, prescribing push-ups and, and squats is one thing, but it's only going to get people so far. The conversation has to be much more than that, and it has to include 
real food and nutrition. So I believe that nutrition can occupy about 80% of your optimal health. So that kind of led me down this path of education around nutrition and through the mechanism of cooking. And I was lucky enough to go on, as you said in the intro, MKR, which led me to write uh, a few books. One, one was sort of how, uh, in January this year called The Keto Diet. And I'm lucky enough to, to have another one coming out in December, which is sort of the companion to that book. Uh, and also what you mentioned in the intros is my program uh, and I guess this ties it all, all in is that I guess this is reflective of my life's work to date. Um, and as you quite rightly said, there's a heavy weighting or certainly a lot of gravity given to mindset and there is a big part of that because my, my experience being a PT and working in this arena for so many years, it gave me a, a, an acute insight into it didn't matter what the prescription was, whether you're prescribing a meal plan or a, a workout routine for people, if the mindset isn't addressed and attended to, then at some point you will circle back around and present with the same resistance or um, hurdles against living a, a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, which is why you know I've sort of it is my life's work it is sort of pulling in all my experience all my knowledge all my expertise but understanding also that there's limitations to that so within the program I'm very comfortable talking about fitness I'm very comfortable talking about health generally and designing meal plans and recipes and stuff but there are certain areas that I'm I have an insight, but I'm not, I don't have the credibility. I don't have the expertise. So I've pulled in a, a number of people, and obviously Nira is one of them, just to give it um, that credibility and, uh, and for it to be robust and be the best to, to, to offer you know the best information for Australians to to not just you, you said an interesting thing right at the start. It's about we can all make changes. But it, it's making those changes long term, which is the key to success. And so, having so much weight and gravity placed upon mindset in the program is hopefully ticking that box for people. Not only making changes, but making changes that that become habitual. I guess, I guess that's a really important part of the picture. Yeah, we we were chatting just before we we hit start, and yeah, I I do feel like when people are changing everything because it does it feels to them like they're changing everything yeah uh you know they might be doing more exercise and they're cutting out the gluten and and we forget like as you know we live in a bubble and we forget that when some people are starting out it's like just going gluten-free is a massive deal yeah yeah and and so changing is the easy part it's staying in that place that i find is the sticking point yeah and some people arrive at that decision to be healthy for a multitude of reasons and so they 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 know they need to kick sugar give up gluten move their body a few times a week uh eat more veggies so there's all these things maybe give up alcohol cigarette like there's a, a plethora of things that you need to do but and i, I think of people a lot of people right arrive at that um decision for whatever reason and it's impulsive so once you're at that place, you then decide to cut out all those things and embrace other things. And 
it's a real sort of shake-up of your current lifestyle. And more often than not, you'll drop off at some point because it, it's, it's, it's too contrasting. It's, there's too many new rules. There's too many regulations. There's too many things that you – do you know what I'm trying? I'm trying to yep. – yeah, it, it, you're better off. Like so, Some people that works for. But I reckon small steps, over, you know, incremental steps over a longer period of time would sort of equal more success, I think. I don't know whether you feel the same, Nira. Yeah, mm. yeah, because you, you're talking about, you know, jumping entirely out of your comfort zone, right? When yeah, exactly. You combine all of those things that, you know, I mean, we, food is a comfort to us. We're social creatures. There's so many factors tied into food, and that's not even, you know, getting to what, starting an exercise program does to us so you know it's it's a very big leap so i, I agree with you you've you've got to uh work out how to do that change in an integrated way so that you keep the benefits as you go and that, that's really where i see the mindset component is really key because you can you can make those changes but it's like you you're, you're backing yourself there you're being your own best friend if you like mm. you know you're giving yourself a place where you just you just let the dust settle a little bit too mm. you know, that's one um, aspect I think of just having some mindfulness practice attached to um, rolling yeah. out all those changes you know you, you, you just have a little bit of time there that you let the dust settle but you can also observe. Uh, what's going on mentally, emotionally as a result of making those changes. Otherwise, we don't really get to see what's going on under the surface and don't really understand why our attempts to change fail um, because we haven't really understood what the reactivity is and what's actually mm. you know, going on on an unconscious level. Yeah. But, so, but also, yeah, sorry, Joel. I was just going to say at that point in time, Nira, is it, more important to just observe the mind or are we trying to change the mind? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I, I think, first of all, absolutely just observe. Just observe. Because, you know, this is probably, um, again, a habit, you know, that it's like if we feel something we don't want to feel or we feel something that's inconvenient, say the first thing we want to do is change it. But but mindfulness is about, first of all, observing what's there. And so in a sense it can be a little bit, adding a little bit more discomfort, but that's what you're doing is you're increasing your, your tolerance for a moment. And, I mean, that's an important skill and strength to have anyway when you're wanting to implement changes in diet exercising and so on there's you know you've jumped out of your comfort zone so there's you know you do need to increase your, your tolerance for a little while you know you need to find a new comfort zone if you like you need to find your equilibrium in that new state um, and from there you know you probably will be able to have more capacity to make conscious choices but I think that's a step later you know if that makes sense yeah it's, it's I guess it's just sort of nudging the the outer boundaries Ooh. gently gently it's kind of nudging that envelope uh, yeah. ever increasingly wider but in a very sort of you know gentle um uh, incremental and compassionate way like it's mm, it's a I it's totally a balance yeah but, but it's but also ha having a an, a an arrangement or agreement with yourself to be as healthy as you can be over the over your lifespan which kind of rids you of that anxiety about being healthy 
tomorrow. I want to, I've got to be healthy tomorrow. Mm. Mm. So if you, if you, if you distance yourself from that and say health is all about lifestyle, lifestyle is all about longevity and lifespan. I'm going to aim to be as healthy as I can be for as long as I can be. So mm. there's not this rush to be the, the walking shining example the best specimen you can be tomorrow because that's not practical. It puts a lot of pressure on yourself. There's too mm. many changes happening at once. So if you can kind of loosen your, your grip around that and say, well, this is, this is going to take months, years, decades mm. of, you know, there's, you, you kind of lose that urgency. And I think that's a big, big part of it for people, particularly because they, you know, they arrive at, as I said earlier, they arrive at that decision for whatever reason and they go right tomorrow's a brand new day i'm going to be you know i'm going to be healthy tomorrow it's like well it doesn't really work like that like Mm. it just it takes time it takes perseverance until things become habitual but remove some of that pressure and with that guilt uh, and just make it make it uh, incremental and there's a real attitude of acceptance in, you know, w- what you're saying. You Nevertheless, you have your goals and you get clear about what you want, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a s- acceptance of, of oneself and I think that's really important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How do you cultivate that acceptance of oneself? Because I find that's really tied in with self-esteem and a lot of people who, I don't know about you guys, but when, <clears throat> when people come to me and they need these lifestyle changes on a few fronts, Quite often there is some self-esteem stuff going on underneath all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit linked to, you know, what we were just talking about earlier about having that moment, you know, do you try to change the thing or do you just sit with the thing? So in, in learning to just sit with, that, that helps us to become more accepting about whatever's coming up currently whether it's feelings of oh you know I don't feel good about this or I don't feel good about myself or whatever it is if we're able to create a spaciousness and I think that's maybe a better word than acceptance actually because acceptance can also be like another should you know but um just just allowing uh, a spacious quality around uh, whatever it is we're trying to achieve you know or a sense of letting things be, you know, in the, um, in the program, we spend a week actually um, cultivating self-compassion, which I think is really important. And, and that's, you know, without letting go of the goal, without losing sight of what we want, and we can nevertheless just recognise that we're, you know, we're taking this great step of wanting to change things. And that's actually hugely positive and takes a lot of courage. Um, and, and to have that attitude can be, um, you know, really, really compassionate to oneself, really accepting. So in the program, you said you spend a week cultivating self-compassion. Like what are the first steps that you take people through in that process? Mm. Well, very simply, you know, we can tap into our wish to be happy. I mean, fundamentally, all of us, you know, if I was to ask you, Jules, do you, do you want to be happy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so far, 100% of us are on So far, 100%. Okay. I'd agree with that. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I want to have a really shit day. You know, I, want to, 
or I want to destroy my life. No one says that, you know, we fundamentally want to be happy. And even with just the, it sounds like a sort of silly thing to ask, right? But even just with that question, it puts us in touch with something that we, we, we want for ourselves, right? And that's an, in itself, I feel, it's an act of self-compassion. Yeah, I want to be happy. So in doing that, we can then wish that for ourselves. And there's no analysis involved or anything. Just very simply, yeah, I want to be happy. Ah, oh, may I be happy, you know? And with that, we, we, we back ourselves. You know, we can be our own best friends would be a, another way of putting it. Um, just to know that, look, you know, I really want to be happy. Okay. And without, again, without analyzing, let that be some kind of guiding factor in, okay, well, so what's the next step for me here? Just very, very simply. Yeah. Why do you think people go backwards, Nira? Why do we fall back into the self-sabotage then? It's, it's really just habit. I mean, habit is a very powerful force for us humans, you know, where, you know, there's, there's, there's science around this with percentages of how much of the day we're actually running around on autopilot. And it's most of the time, right? And um, in order to, you know, break out and do something new, it's actually, you know, it's, it's challenging going against all of that. So it just needs repetition. It just needs, you know, gentle steps, like Scott was saying, you know, just gentle steps, incremental changes, just being aware that, you know, most of the time we are, we're run by habit and the habits have been put in over the years from various sources, you know, so having a, a, a framework where we understand that, oh, okay, well, this is, this is just a habit. It's not that, you know, I'm bad, I'm fundamentally, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at creating these changes or this isn't for me. That, you know, we don't need to kind of add to it, but just to recognise, oh, okay, these are the habits. So, And, the, yeah, just, just on from that, like these are habits and patterns of behaviour that people have sort of had for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So it's kind of if your decision to be healthy um, is sort of trying to go against all those habits, like it's, it's a bit of a potential uphill struggle, you know. So you need to, to recognise that and it, and it just takes, as Nira was saying, it just takes a lot of perseverance and, you know, and compassion and empathy for yourself in your current situation. but repetition hard work perseverance and you can slowly start to forge new newer positive patterns of behavior around health and fitness and nutrition and 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 unlearn some of those old ones that have sort of been potentially holding you back over the years it also sounds a bit like if the self-sabotage is just a habit and that habit comes from being on autopilot that a possible antidote to that would be becoming present in your life? Mm, Absolutely. And that's back to that moment of noticing what's happening, accepting what's happening, having some space around that. So that's where a new habit can, can actually arise from absolutely being present. Oh, okay. I noticed then that, you know, I, I really, I really felt like, you know, whatever it is, you're trying to change a dietary thing and, you know, something in you kind of wanted to go down another direction, <laughs> say, just to notice, mm. first of all, oh, okay, gee, I, I really, you know, felt like 
you know, going for that takeaway when I know actually what I had already decided to do, planned to do, thought I was going to do was cook myself a really nice meal. Um, and we can recognize those things going on in the minds in the moment when we're present. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Just notice. No pressure. No Ooh, pressure. Absolutely. Just Don't fight it. <laughs> it starts just, with noticing. It starts yeah. with. Even that is like a big deal for many of us, you know, like just being that sort of cognizant of, of noticing. I, th- yeah. I think that's such a huge thing. Um, and it shouldn't be sort of um, underplayed, I think. Like mm. j- just the very act of noticing. Uh, it, yeah, I, I think that's a really great point there. Yeah, well, you actually you bring yourself fully into that possibility then, right? You fully bring yourself into that crossroads, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, gee, I was going to go that way, but I could actually go that way. You, you suddenly, you're all there with all of your resources. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and at that at that point, you know, give yourself a, a micro pat on the back because you, you've you've recognised it, and at that junction, you've got the opportunity to break that habit. The habit would have been to grab mm. for the, go for the fast food, but you, you've you've decided that you're going to make yourself something delicious and nourishing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you've 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 sort of yeah, you've kind of looking down upon yourself and going, oh, okay, that, that's interesting. Like that, that, having that perspective is, um, yeah, really valuable. Mm, mm. Yeah. I actually love where you guys are going with this because it leads perfectly into the next thing that I was going to ask. So, yeah, well, well done. <laughs> That's all right. I've, 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 I, saw, I saw your prep notes. I just got magic superpowers of intuition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Shush, let me ask the question. <laughs> All right, dream team. Do you think dream team? <laughs> do you think that language is important when discussing food? Like, I worry about using words like good food or bad food or right and wrong. Uh, I feel like we're setting people up to feel like they failed if they eat the wrong thing. You know. So, what sort of language do you both recommend using around food? You can go for that one, Scott. <laughs> yeah, right. Give me the hard ones, Nira. <laughs> Come on, you uh, saw the prep notes, so you've obviously you're ahead of this. Yeah, let, let me just get my notes out one second. <laughs> um, I look. I can only maybe five or six years ago when I was sort of doing lots of presentations and stuff. I I was very or a lot more dogmatic about the message than I am today. So, so my, sorry, the, the message hasn't really changed. It's the delivery. And so that you're talking about language. It's, it's, that's all embroiled in, in the delivery. I'm less dogmatic. I'm less, these foods are in, these foods are out. It's more, this is my experience. Um, I actually don't talk about the foods that, you know, let's inverted commas are, are bad anymore. I've chosen maybe, I think we may have spoken about this on the last podcast, Jules. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, probably about three or four years ago, I was like, I, I don't want to give those bad foods uh, any more airtime. Let's just talk about the foods on the other side of the seesaw, the good foods in inverted commas, and let, let's just hero those. And then you don't really have to talk about the, the bad foods. Um, and by doing that, you, 
you you reduce the the risk of polarizing people i think if you just for me a, a big a big part of what i do is just encouraging people to 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 cook with real food at home i think cooking at home is arguably the biggest lever to get us out of this disease epidemic that we currently face. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so, so by leading by example and making nourishing, healthy food look enticing and alluring and sexy, then there's almost no need for that language or any language. A lot of what I do is, is visual. So it's, it's Instagram posts, it's video. It's, and so you don't have to, you know, and that's a lot of uh, a way of that a lot of people receive information these days. So it's almost you can almost sidestep that discussion around good food, bad food, because you're just presenting in a visual way some delicious food that people can cook easily at home. And within that visual interpretation, there might be some ingredients that they might not have cooked with before, or pairing of ingredients that they might not cook for before. But so, not that. Does that make sense? I'm kind of. It sounds like uh, you create you create an appetite for for. Correct. That's exactly, you know, that's a great word for it. Yeah. Um. So so you don't necessarily have to. You certainly don't have to demonize the the bad foods. It's just more of a celebration of the of the foods that I do believe are the nourishing foods, and within that. There's no real need to kind of be explicit about why they're good. There's just uh, a desire to share something that I've created that I believe is nourishing and, you know, why not you give it a go and, and see what you think. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's, it, there's, I've found that there's a, a, a way to, because back in, you know, five or six years ago when I was more dogmatic, I, I did polarize people. So I, I realized that the, the delivery was one that fostered followers, but also fostered non-followers. So people would drop off. They go, oh, God, that sounds a bit confronting. Oh, my so God. Give up I want to eat rice. And Scott said I'm not allowed to have rice. Yeah. So yeah, I so have rice, I can't so I've, be in his tribe. So then I've, yeah, so then I've <laughs> lost that person. I don't want to lose that person because I, I'm sure, you know, I could learn off them. They could learn off me. And so you, you soften that. Um, it's not to say that you dilute your message. I don't think that's the case. But you soften uh, and then you focus on what's more important. And the, the thing that is more important to me is celebrating vegetables, celebrating real food. And then there's no real desire or, or sorry, need to, to talk about the the bad foods, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yay. All right. Nira, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I like that approach. I like that idea of just celebrating, you know, if we can't call it good food, but celebrating, you know, the food that you've found worthy of celebrating, if you like. Mm. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, an intuitive eater myself and I find just being... Um, intuitive well maybe intuitive is the right word but listening to my body or listening to what I kind of need to eat um I naturally gravitate to to better food you know so it's again just that kind of noticing you know the, the mindfulness of the body you know noticing what's happening um 
leads to different choices, I think, than, you know, if you're not present and, you know, feeling stressed. It's hard to actually make choices around what to eat that's going to serve your body because, you know, the, the mind's not there, you know, the presence isn't there. So that's why, you know, when we bring all these things together, mindset and diet and so on, it's, it's a really different kind of way of being, you know, much, there's, there's more, there's more capacity to just, just make uh, better choices that are going to lead to having more energy, feeling better and so on. Mm. yeah i love it and it sounds like nearer the way you do things it cuts through a lot of the overwhelm too so that's awesome Mm. yeah yeah overwhelm yeah that can be a big one can't it with you know i'm trying to do trying to do things right or trying to you know work out the the best way to go especially with food i mean you know i think it's easy to get bombarded by those messages of um diets being this way or that way and I mean I've tried them all too you know I've tried <laughs> I've tinkered a lot with those with different kinds of um you know I've been really into cleanses or fasts and this and that over the years and tried all kinds of things and um you know that's all really useful but at the end of the day you know for that kind of long-term well-being you've got to get to a point where you you kind of know what you, your body likes and needs and you can, you can eat well, you know, from that. You can provide yeah. that. Yeah, I think at that point you're, you're the custodian of your own health. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're making sort of informed or intuitive, the two words are probably in, in, interchangeable, but you're making intuitive decisions around food and so, yeah, the, the the conversation about what's good and what's bad is kind of it, it washes over you. That's someone else's conversation. Mm, mm. I love that. You are the custodian of your own health. I've written that down. Mm. Love it. Love mm. it. Love it. That that's going in the quotes on Instagram. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I was a little bit no, serial no, prior to talking to you. Yeah, no, I, I talk <laughs> I talk about that quite a bit just because there's you know we're in this age of hyper convenience and you know we can we can order through delivery and uber eats or the corner store like it the food is in abundance and it's it's at our doorstep at a given notice but every time you outsource food through delivery or whatever you you're relinquishing control and ownership of your own health because that person who's made that food doesn't have your best interest and health at the heart of their process and the only person that should care is you and so every time you you cook uh at home with real food and love then you're you're taking full control and ownership of your own health and at that point you become the custodian of your own health and i'm not naive enough to think that everything that passes your lips um is made with love in your own kitchen it's just not practical and it's not realistic but if, if most is then then you're kind of setting yourself up for success. But, yeah, I, there is this sort of age of convenience where people do outsource their health through um, Deliveroo and Uber Eats and all that, you know. There's yeah. a time and a place for that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not, but the more you can cook at home with real food, the more you'll take ownership of your own health. Love it. Love it. Ah. Oh. Congrats, guys, on this awesome collaboration. And I know that you've got some other people collaborating with you on the program too, Scott. So, look, I I love it when like-minded people get together and create something even better. So 
yeah, big, big kudos to both of you. I think this is amazing and I hope that the program does really well. Uh, can both of you just uh, let the listeners know, please, where they can find you? Because I know that they're going to be Googling the crap out of both of you, sure. <laughs> especially, especially you, Nira. Shall we start with you? Oh, what? Where's, where's, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> Nira, where can Thanks, people Jules. find you online? Um, look, um, I'm going to be really honest to say my website's a little bit old. My more up-to-date stuff these days would be on LinkedIn. So you can find me near a Scott on LinkedIn. Uh, otherwise, my website is execyoga.com and that has my uh, work with um, corporate people teaching yoga and, and mindfulness. I'm also part of Potential Project. Uh, so potentialproject.com, you can find me on there and that's to do with my corporate mindfulness training programs. Awesome. And Scott, where can people find your lovely new program and you and your smiling face? Uh, it's on uh, reconditioned.me. Um, awesome. Yeah, and so that's on Instagram as well or Scott Gooden Project on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and Scott Instagrams a lot of his food, dear listener, a lot of his food. So, yeah, <laughs> get across it. There's lots of bowls of beautiful, colourful, wonderful things in my feed every day. <laughs> oh, good, good to hear. At least somebody's watching. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just me and what your mum and no, no, not, not, at all. not at all. But, yeah, definitely all those colourful bowls of goodness definitely inspire me when I open up oh, good. in Insta. So. Yeah. Oh, great. Great to hear. Thanks, Jules. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I know you, you both have to chuff off, but thank you so much for spending some time with us today and good luck with the program. Thanks, Thanks Jules. Jules. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Thank you. A quick but really insightful interview with Scott Gooding and Nira Scott. I think it really highlighted the importance of not just getting your mindset right when going into any new program or any lifestyle change, but also the importance of not judging ourselves during the process. All too often I hear clients talk about being naughty or slipping up and I think the time has come where we need to simply observe what's going on in our minds without judgment in order to move ourselves forward. If you liked this episode, hit subscribe so that you never miss another show. And if you're a fan, I've got a big question to ask. Uh, could you please leave me a review? My favorite number of stars is five, by the way, so that other listeners can find Shiny Healthy You too. So let's spread the word and get it out to as many people as possible. Also, I have a brand new and free quiz available on my website. It's an adrenal health check. So it's there to look at your risk of burnout, something that every busy woman should be mindful of. It's available now over at julesgalloway.com. The quiz takes just a few minutes to do and it's free. So go check it out now. Alrighty, I'll see you again soon. Have a beautiful fortnight. Stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.